Mm-hmm. So that was an hour into our dinner because our dinner started at 8.30. You know, it was not one or two of us. So we, when we came in, one person from our party walked up and said, we just got in, can we eat? And they said, sure. I don't think they realized me and 23 of my friends, <laughs> but they accommodated all of us and we all got to eat our full dinner. And like the head server was helping. They were really working hard. everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and Sam winter is coming because we're headed to Iceland this week. Uh, this is a, I think this is a, a second episode we might be doing on an Iceland cruise, but I'm excited to talk about it because Iceland is quickly coming to the top of my list of cruises that I want to do on Disney Cruise Line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're not talking frozen because we're not going to Norway on this cruise, but we're talking Iceland. So a neighbor but it is cold and it is a different kind of cruise than I'd say cruising in the med, but I'm definitely excited to talk about this cruise. And it is, I would agree with Brian, it's definitely on my list as well. So why don't we welcome our guest to the show who actually went on this cruise because Brian and I did not sail to Iceland. So welcome, Kelly. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I should say welcome back since you were on about a year ago to talk about Another European cruise. I, I think we're making this a habit, aren't we? Yeah, it sounds like it. Because next summer, we're going to do another cruise in Europe as well. So we're creating an expensive habit. <laughs> you are. You are. Well, Kelly, before we dive into talking about this really awesome cruise you went on and this cool itinerary that you went on, why don't you remind folks about your Disney cruising uh, credentials, your Disney cruising history, and sort of how you started with Disney Cruise Line? I know you are a platinum cruiser, so you're certainly experienced. Why don't you tell folks what kinds of sailings you've done and how you got started? Our first official Disney Cruise Line cruise was back in either 2013 or 14. And we did a Eastern Caribbean. But my first Disney cruise was a long time ago on the big red boat, the precursor to Disney Cruise Line when I was a teenager. Since our first Disney cruise back in 2013 or 14, I think we've been on 13 sailings now. And we've done Eastern and Western Caribbean, Alaska, different Mediterranean itineraries. Now we did Northern Europe. We've done the different holidays at sea and Star Wars Day at Sea and Marvel Day at Sea as well. Wow. You have a ton of different itineraries and a really interesting cruising experience, especially with the big red boat. So tell us the itinerary you took. How many nights was it? Where did it sail out of? So this was a 10-night itinerary and we sailed out of Southampton in England. Awesome. And this was on the dream for her first season in Europe, right? Yeah. Last year, we were um, on the magic in Europe. That's right. That's right. Awesome. And Southampton obviously took over the the sailings that used to go out of Dover. They're both Dover and Southampton are pretty close as far as equidistance to London. So I imagine you probably flew in into London. But before we get there, let's talk about why you chose this itinerary. What were sort of the things when you were deciding you know, where to cruise? What were the things that drew you to this itinerary? Well, we are looking for a new itinerary, one that we haven't done before. We really had fun last year, but it was very hot as it was again this summer in the Mediterranean. So we were looking yep. for cooler weather. And we've heard so much about wonderful things about Iceland. We did make one stop in Norway as well. We really wanted to see those places. And so this itinerary gave us a chance. We were supposed to have five 
port stops, but we unfortunately only made four of them. But it gave us a chance to see a lot of Northern Europe, and that's a place we've never been before. Oh, awesome. Well, so tell us who's in your sailing party. So it's my family of five. So my husband and I, and then we have three kids. They're 13, well, 12, 14, and 17, almost 13. And then we also had 19 of our friends and family with us. So there's 24 of us in total. That made it really fun to have so many people. We had ages two to almost 80 sailing with Oh my us. goodness. Wow. But 24 people, I... Well, they can't fit you all at one table in the dining room, I imagine. <laughs> so it worked out well. There's 12 kids and then a baby and then 12 adults. So the adults sat at one table and the um, kids sat at another table next to us. And we shared the same server. We had an awesome serving team. So I, I, the meals are really nice because you know it's hard for all 24 people to do everything together. But we always came together at dinner, which was really a fun time. We could talk about our day. That's awesome. Like, Let's talk a little bit about the booking process or the booking process pre-sailing. Was it difficult to coordinate because you've got, you know, that many people and I imagine, you know, quite a few staterooms, pro- probably what, like six different staterooms or maybe even seven, depending upon how yeah. many people in each room? Yeah, I think we must have had seven. Well, we booked ourselves initially for the five of us. And then we told our friends and family, you know, hey, we're going. Would you like to join us? And eventually over time, they all decided to join us. So we didn't wait to see if everyone's schedule aligned. But then fortunately, it did. And it was really nice. And handled all the booking. Were you because I know you are a travel agent with a, a fairly new travel agency. Did you handle all the booking for this this large group? Because I imagine that's it's kind of a lot to coordinate. I didn't do all of it. I did some of it, but we had already booked some of it before I started to work as a travel agent. So I didn't want to take that benefit away from the travel agent who had helped us because she's helped us a lot over the years. So let's talk about getting there. Where are you all coming from? I'm guessing probably not all from the same place in the United States. And how are you getting over across to Europe? Some people are from California and the rest of us were on the East Coast, Florida, Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York. My daughter actually went two weeks ahead of us and she did a summer program at Oxford. And then I met her there. Well, awesome. And the two of us spent a few days in Oxford and Bath, which were lovely. And then we spent one day in Paris. And then everybody else met us in London. They Everyone flew to Heathrow. And we spent a few days in London touring around together. We also saw Back to the Future, the musical together <laughs> before it. heading to Southampton for the cruise. Awesome. I have to ask, what did you think of Back to the Future, the musical? Because obviously you've listened to our show where we talked about going to see it in London. I I thought it was great. Our friend is actually one of the producers. So he got us tickets at the last minute. And it was the night before the premiere in the United States. The special effects were really cool. You know, we have teenagers, they can be hard to please, but they they enjoyed it as well. The little kids liked it. I think it was a real crowd pleaser. It was very fun. Oh, awesome. Oh, I'm glad to hear that because we really enjoyed it too. We we saw it obviously knowing it was going to open in in New York City, but prior to it, of course, opening there. And we thought the special effects were fantastic. And then it was just such a fun, fun show. It's, it's maybe not some a deep show as far as, you know, if you compare it to, I don't know, let's say like a Hamilton or a Dear Evan Hansen, but such a fun show and, you know, such great special effects and, and great dance numbers as well. So <laughs> yeah, and I love the music. Yeah, really fun. Awesome. Well, let's talk about, you know, once everybody gets to London, how do you how did you guys get up to Southampton for the actual sailing? Did you go, you know, that morning of the cruise? Did you go there a day before? And how did you travel there? 
So we left the morning of the cruise and we arranged a private transfer, which for us was a, a full bus that mm-hmm. stopped at Stonehenge on the way. And we oh, visited cool. Stonehenge before boarding the ship. And it was a nice way to see Stonehenge. You know, it's kind of out of the way from London, but it was only a small detour on the way to the port. That's a great idea. I would never have thought of that, but I love that because you're right. Stonehenge is kind of a schlep from London. It, you have to take essentially a day trip to go and, and do it because it's a couple hours away. But if it's, you know, sort of on the way or, or arguably only a short detour from getting to Southampton, what a great, what a great idea. So good on you. I love that. All right. About what time did you get to the port of Southampton? We got there around two o'clock. Okay. And how is the boarding process? Obviously, this is, you know, this year was its the first season Disney Cruise Line was sailing out of Southampton on a regular basis. They did some, I believe, the UK staycations um, out of there in the sort of pandemic times. But this is obviously different with regular full sailings on the Dream, which is obviously a bigger ship than the Magic. How was that the process? What did you think of the port? Having sailed, of course, out of Port Canaveral, you know how smooth it can be. Was it was it a well-oiled Disney machine or something else? It went very well. You know, we did get there late. So like I said, we got there around mm-hmm. two. I think a lot of people probably got there a lot earlier than us. So that may be part of the reason it went so easy for us. But the porters met us right out front from our motor coach and loaded the luggage right into the port. There was like a little luggage conveyor belt. We kind of just walked in, checked in and walked right on the ship. No waiting. Awesome. Probably like 15 minutes. It was really oh, nice. Wow. That's awesome. And do you guys have a tradition like when you get on the ship, we are going to, and I'm going to say blank for lunch, or we are going to the kids club or we are going to the pool deck? Like, what's your tradition when you get on board a Disney Cruise Line ship? Usually we go straight to Cabana's. My kids like that better than going to the sit down lunch. This time it was a little bit later and we had already eaten and our rooms were ready. So this time everyone kind of just went to their rooms and then we eventually found our way to Cabana's, I think. Nice. Now, what kind of stateroom did you guys choose? I imagine you've probably been on the dream before and you are a family of five. Did you guys get one stateroom, two staterooms? And and what's your, what kind of stateroom do you like to stay in? And what did you choose for this sailing? Initially, we had booked the deluxe family stateroom with Miranda that sleeps five. Mm-hmm. But then they had some GTY pricing where we could get two Miranda staterooms for four for less money than the one. So Ooh. we switched to the guaranteed room. You know, we didn't get to choose our room. But we had a nice room um, midship on deck six and they were connecting. And that way we had two bathrooms and more space to spread out. Um, As my kids get bigger, we we prefer to connect rooms when that's possible. Um, So it worked out really well for us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I imagine with teenagers, you know, we only have one child and and he's nine. So he doesn't spend a whole lot of time in the bathroom right now. But um, I imagine uh, with teenagers having that extra space and the extra, even though you have the split bathrooms, I'm sure in those rooms, it's still nice to have, you know, two separate bathrooms. And two real full beds. My son is getting really tall. He's taller than my husband. So I'm glad he could stretch out in a full-size bed. Oh, you mean your kids don't really fit in that bunk bed that that flops down from the ceiling? (laughs) The other two do, but the oldest is definitely, yeah, he's, he's done with that. I mean, if he has to do it, he'll do it. But when we can get him some an extra bed, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I tried to sleep in that bunk bed one time, really just for one night. And it, it's, it was not a good night of sleep. Let me just put it that way. It's not a real mattress. It's like more of like a foam mattress, I felt like. And it's not a full length bed. <laughs> so 
if you're a taller person, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that that's someplace you want to sleep. The couch bed is not too bad, though. So let's talk about this sailing, where it went to or where it was supposed to go to. Because I, you mentioned at the top of the show, you were supposed to have five port stops. You only had four port stops. When you're in Europe on a Disney cruise, the stars really are the ports. Not to say there isn't plenty of wonderful things to do on the ship. But as, of course, an experienced cruiser like yourself, while it's lovely to spend time on the ship and, and do some of the activities that you really enjoy, you're going to Europe to see the places, you know, you're getting off at. So what were the exactly. port stops? Yeah. Our, the first port stop was Cherbourg. So that's in the Normandy region of France. And then we were supposed to have three stops in Iceland, Reykjavik, Akayuri. I'm sorry, I pro- probably pronounced it wrong, Akayuri. And then Isafjordor, we were supposed to stop in, but we were unable to stop there. And then we also stopped in Olesen, Norway, and we ended the cruise in Copenhagen, Denmark. Oh, awesome. That's a really great itinerary. You start off at Cherbourg, if I'm saying that correctly. What did you guys get up to in Cherbourg and what kinds of things were offered, if you remember, from when you were choosing? Disney mostly offered either a half-day or full-day D-Day beach tour. And I think they had another one where you would just go and eat some crepes and then come back. We all did private excursions. Um, A bunch of us took an e-bike tour. It was lovely. It was so beautiful all along the coast. And they packed a picnic of all local French food. And that took the whole day. That was great. And then some of our group went did on a private went on a private D-Day tour. And they really enjoyed that as well. Now, when you say private tour, did you book those through Disney? Because I know there are a couple of private tour options through Disney, or did you book them on your own? We booked them on our own. We didn't do any Disney excursions this trip. Interesting. I want you to kind of tell, explain to our listeners why you made that choice, because I think a lot of people are hesitant to make that choice. And, and there's a lot more options out there, obviously, if you don't stick with Disney excursions. So I'd love to hear your rationale for you know how you went with whatever tour company you went with and, and why you felt confident in that. Well, we're confident in it. We have a lot of experience doing it. I think all of the tour groups, you know, they make it their goal to get you back well in advance, usually more than an hour before you're supposed to the all aboard time. Um, and now with the internet and TripAdvisor and ratings, I'm sure if they got someone back late, that would destroy their business. So I've always been very confident. Sometimes they're even a little bit more conservative than they need to be. You know, like I read a Rick Steves article, how missing the ship is actually exceedingly rare. So we weren't, we're not particularly worried about that. Though, we, you know, I realize it's a possibility. But I just think that when you plan on your own, the excursions can be more creative. They're more mm-hmm. flexible. There's no age limit. Sometimes there's age limits that Disney imposes that might not be necessary. And they're usually more affordable. The only time I would say is this cruise, we didn't have any tender ports. Mm-hmm. But last year we did. And for the tender ports, the people on the DCL excursions get to get off the ship a lot earlier. So that might be a time I would consider a DCL excursion in the future. But this time we didn't have any tender ports. So we just did all um, booked on our own. Yeah, that's an excellent tip. If for tender ports, DCL excursions get generally priority. And, and so they make sure you're getting off the ship in order to meet your you know tour guide versus if you're doing something on your own, you've got to wait until they just say sort of open tenders for anyone. So excellent point, Kelly. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear about the, the e-bike excursion. Where did you guys end up going? What did you get to see? And are e-bikes difficult to ride? I've never ridden an e-bike. 
I don't think they're difficult to ride. We had, you know, two 12 year olds with us who mm-hmm. are fine at riding normal bikes and they didn't have any trouble. It was a lot of rolling hills. So I was very grateful for the e-bike. You know, there's certainly <laughs> times when just pedaling would be fine, but the assist up the hills made us a lot more enjoyable. I think we went about 13 miles. We we made oh, a wow. lot of stops along the coast and there'd be some st- times we would get off and, you know, take a short hike to look at all the cliffs and the water. We went through a bunch of small villages. We saw so many beautiful hydrangeas in every color you could imagine. We saw a baguette vending machine, which is very French. A baguette vending machine? I love that. I took a picture of it. I can send it to you. Yes, definitely. I love that. They rode their bike through some tunnels that they used during World War II in in case the, the citizens needed to escape. So it wasn't really, that wasn't like a heavy history tour. They did mention some things about World War II, but it was more of like a scenic bike tour and a picnic. And we had some time on the beach. Oh, awesome. What company did you end up booking that that excursion th- through? Because it, honestly, it sounds amazing. I think that one's called Private France Tours. Awesome. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So now, you, so this was your only stop in France. How was the food? I got to ask about the food. The food was delicious. So they brought local breads, cheeses, pickles, meat, and fruit, and then some local custard. And they had some cheeses that are made with unpasteurized milk. So it's like illegal cheese that you're not yeah. allowed to like take out of the country or anything, but it was delicious. Yeah. Um, they put out red checkered blankets and they we were sitting on the cliffs and they put out this lovely picnic and they had sparkling cider for the uh, kids and champagne for the adults. And the food was just great. And the guides were really friendly and you really enjoyed it. Oh, fantastic. That's the only yeah. food we really ate in France, you know, was that lunch, but it was great. <laughs> right, right. right. Well, I, I love that they get, they brought the illegal cheese. I mean, it's not illegal in France to have unpasteurized cheese. Right. It's just illegal in the United States and, and some other countries to have unpasteurized cheese. But they, you know, the French eat it all the time. So, in you know, they, they seem to be doing just fine. So I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> yeah, they were telling us that the pasteurization process changes the way the milk tastes. Mm-hmm. I think they're on to something because it was delicious. <laughs> I love it. Your next stop was your first stop in Iceland, right? I'm going to, I can't remember the name of the place. I know it starts with an A. What was the name of this next stop? Oh, the first place I had sent them out of order last time. Reykjavik was uh, oh, Reykjavik. our first stop. Yeah. Okay. Reykjavik is a, obviously a bigger city. Your first stop being kind of a smaller town. What kinds of things were available to do in Reykjavik and, and what did you guys end up doing? So there were a lot of um, golden circle tours. There was a snorkeling tour. There were trips to the Blue Lagoon. They were the main things offered by Disney. We booked a private tour. So we took two small uh, buses, like sprinter vans, mm-hmm. and we did the Golden Circle. But we also did a couple things besides the main highlights of Golden Circle. We also went to a dairy farm. We had lunch. We ended it at the Blue Lagoon. But we stopped at the main things like Thing Lavier, Gulf Lost Waterfall, Geyser to see all those things. It was just a jam-packed, wonderful day. And we had a lot of time. So we I think we got off the ship at 8 or 9 a.m. and didn't have to be back until 10 p.m. Oh, um, wow. And we got back at 9.30 p.m. I think it was probably like one of the best days I've had on any vacation. It was just wonderful. Our guides were great. Everything we saw was so beautiful. It couldn't have been better. How did that work with the kids? I mean, that's a, obviously a, a really long day, even for adult travelers. And I know you're in a, you know, you're in a van, so it's not like you're walking the entire time, but it, it's just kind of a marathon, you know, touring day. You know, how did the kids hold up? Were they bored? Were they interested? No, I think they really enjoyed it. 
Last year, sometimes I thought like with the more historic sites on long days, they would kind of get tired and you see their eyes glaze over. But <laughs> this was really active. We were out there. It was cool outside. So I think that kept them awake. They got to see like, you know, you know, very unique, breathtakingly beautiful sites. We do things like stop for ice cream too. Mm-hmm. They love the geyser. They, um, it was a warmer day when we were there, warmer for Iceland. And sometimes they would get wet and they would run up and like then try to run away from the geyser before they got wet. So I really think they enjoyed it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's, I feel like everything you're telling me is making me think more and more that if you're going to go to Europe in the summertime, you, you've got to do something like this. You've got to do sort of the Northern Europe route and, and skip the med because the med, I don't know, it, it, as much as I would love to go back to the med in general, I haven't done a cruise there, but I've traveled there a little bit on land, but it's so hot in July and August. And yeah. Um, I think that's it's hard on any traveler, but especially hard on those young travelers. Yeah, and we had some older um, travelers with us as well. Yeah, last year, some days it was so hot. We would have to go back to the hotel and not explore things in Rome we wanted to just because we were so hot. So this year, we just put on a coat if we were cold and just keep going. So this weather was a, a lot easier to travel in. How did you book this tour? Or who was this tour booked through? That sounds honestly really wonderful, especially... Being able to see so many of the natural sites of Iceland and, you know, and kind of getting to explore and be outdoors. So this was with Nice Travel and they worked with us to, we kept adding people. As I mentioned, we booked the cruise and people kept adding. So first there was like five of us and then nine and then 13 and then 24. And they just kept being very gracious and increasing the number of people they could accommodate for us. And they took care of everything. Like all our Blue Lagoon tickets were already purchased. So we didn't have to wait in line when we got there. Oh, fantastic. They coordinated everything. So it was really nice. And there was some downtime in the van and then they would tell stories and play Icelandic music. And I, that did give the kids an opportunity to rest a little bit too when we were driving oh. between one site to the other. Yeah. And how was the Blue Lagoon? We thought that was fantastic. It was lovely. The water is just as bright blue as you see in all the pictures it was very relaxing. We were there in the evenings. We, that was the very last thing we did before we went back to the ship. So there's certainly other people there, but I didn't feel like it was too crowded at all. It was easy to get a locker. They give you a wristband and in, uh, the wristband includes one drink or like a smoothie for kids or, or no, two per person. And you just go up and touch your wristband and they would serve it to you right in the water. You didn't have to bring your wallet with you anywhere. It was such a nice temperature. They also had like a little sauna that a lot of our group went in, but I just stayed in the water because it was like a dream. It was, it was really very relaxing, very beautiful. It was really fun. And they oh. give you face masks they, with the minerals from the water. Yeah, like there's yeah. a little hut and they just scoop out face masks and give it to you. And everyone has these white face masks on and it's floating <laughs> around with their drinks. Oh my goodness. So for those listening who don't know what the Blue Lagoon is, is it's basically this natural wonder of the world where there are these like mineral pools, I'll call it, right? But they're they're naturally, you know, made. They're not man-made. And and so they're these like baths, I guess, is a, is a you know, natural baths and they're warm and they're, you know, have all these natural minerals in them and people soak in them and kind of it's kind of a spa day, but it's a, a you know naturally made spa. So really, really cool. I love it. Did the kids enjoy that? Oh, everybody loved it. Like from the two-year-old to the 80-year-olds, we everyone loved it. We didn't, we were all disappointed when it was time to get back on the bus. <laughs> awesome. How did the two-year-old, of all people, how did the two-year-olds do on this long day? Did they, I mean, 
did they nap in the bus or something? <laughs> I wasn't on her bus, but I'm sure she took a nap. She's a really easy, happy two-year-old. She's the youngest of five kids, so she kind oh, of wow. rolls with the punches. But she loved it. They um, they do make children under nine wear swimmies. So she had swimmies on in the Blue Lagoon, but she was, she was in there happy as could be. Well, if that sounds like an amazing day in Reykjavik. What was your next stop, I guess, the following day in Iceland? So we were supposed to stop at Isafjordor. But due to a problem with dredging the harbor, uh, we weren't able to go. And Disney didn't tell us till um, a day or two before the cruise, which was disappointing. This has been a known problem. Our Facebook group knew it. Everyone knew it. Um, And other cruise lines um, made alternative plans for their guests. So Norwegian Cruise Line did an overnight in Reykjavik to make up for it. And then Celebrity Cruises used tenders so they could still stop at Isafjordor. But Disney didn't didn't do any of that. And so we could see it. We sailed by it. And you could look longingly at Iceland, but we knew we were missing out on a great day. And I was disappointed. But then after we saw how much we loved our first day, I was even more disappointed because it's such a unique place. Yeah. But we'll just have to go back. Yeah. I mean, another Northern Europe cruise, I guess, is in your future. Now, had you booked a private excursion there? And were you, you know, able to cancel it? Or had you waited knowing that there was kind of an issue and knowing stopping there was a little bit up in the air? We booked a a private excursion months in advance before I knew there was a problem, but they were very gracious and um, refunded us as soon as they found out that we wouldn't be able to stop. Did Disney do anything in terms of like onboard credit or anything for the missed port stop? No, they didn't. And you know, I understand like mechanical failure, whether these things might happen on any cruise, but this was something that they had known about for, you know, months. I was disappointed. It's not what I expect from Disney. I mean, otherwise it was a great trip, but that that was disappointing. And I I think a lot of people on the ship were disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't extend our port time or anything anywhere. Yeah. That seems understandable, especially for that itinerary because you you want to see Iceland. That's the the point of the itinerary. So yeah. Yeah. And it was already a sea day heavy cruise. So you got 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. And so now there was another sea day and I love sea days, but especially for some of the older teenagers, I'm, I think it, they started to feel, you know, trapped on the ship. So you get an extra sea day. What's your next port in Iceland? The next one was Akureyri, and that's in Akureyri. Northern Iceland. Okay. Akureyri. I'm going to have to try and remember that name. <laughs> it's a little more unusual than the others. I feel like everybody's heard of Reykjavik, right? So what did you get up to in... I'm, I can't even say it. It's already slipped my mind. <laughs> I actually look at the phonetic pronunciation of it every time I say it because I can't remember. It's Akureyri. So we did a very similar um, thing that we did in Reykjavik. We um, hired another private company. This time we were all on one bus. We made multiple stops again. So we saw Agatafoss, which is another beautiful, gigantic, amazing waterfall. We saw a bunch of different lava formations that we hiked through. We had um, lunch at a wonderful small farm-to-table restaurant that was like in the hometown of our tour guide. He knew everyone there. Oh, that's so cool. We went to a place with all that I, I cannot pronounce with all steaming, like just steam and boiling mud pots coming up from the earth from all the <laughs> volcanic activity. So you would see like boiling, like holes and craters with boiling water in them and then mud boiling and then steam came up. It did smell like rotten eggs. So some of the yeah. kids were really dramatic about that, but it was like another, it, it looked like another time. planet. So we made many stops there and then we ended that day in a lagoon too. And this time we ended in one called Forest Lagoon which was also beautiful. We, it was a more compressed day because the all aboard time was, I think like 4.30. It was a shorter day. But we started at seven in the morning. 
our guide there was the owner of, of his uh, tour company. And he was excellent. Probably one of the best tour guides I ever had. He was trying to make sure we could fit everything in. He took our orders for lunch on the bus so that the food would be waiting for us when we got to the restaurant because the restaurant wasn't used to having such big parties. Because it wasn't like a tourist restaurant. It was a more local restaurant. And we tried some delicious fish. There's fish called Arctic char. Mm-hmm. That's native to Iceland and it's related to salmon, but it was really good. It's probably our best meal of the trip. It was very good. Oh, wow. And what was the name of this tour company? If you That's remember? called Saga Travel, S-A-G-A. Did you find these, the, these couple of Iceland tours that we've been talking about, did you find these companies through TripAdvisor or some other website? Yeah, I use TripAdvisor, but I also Google, you know, you know, mm-hmm. tours and Reykjavik, tours and Ekureri, and then just read reviews. And I email them to see, see how accommodating they are. And both of the people we used in Iceland were so accommodating and, and really very helpful. I could tell right away that they would do a good job because just how yeah. they were, how quickly they respond on email. Yeah. Well, and with a bigger group, it's, you know, it is kind of hard to coordinate, especially, you know, if you got have to have like two vans, as you mentioned, did you have when you had two vans for those tours? Did you have like, were there two tour guides, like one in each van? Or how did they sort of arrange that for you all? So when we had two vans, the drivers served as the tour guides, Mm -hmm. you know, they would just talk over the speaker and tell us everything. And then the second day in Iceland, we were all on one bus. So we had a driver and a tour guide. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a, another great day, albeit a great. Yeah, be it a shorter day than than Reykjavik. Your next port would have been Olesund. Am I right? That's right. We loved Olesund, but why don't you tell us what you got up to in Olesund, which is in Norway for those listening? So in the morning, we took speedboat rides through the fjords. So we were on ribs, those rigid inflatable boats. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And it was really cool. They you, When you get there, they give you this huge waterproof, windproof suit, uh, suit and goggles. And then on the on the boat, you straddle the seat and have to hold on really tight because you go very fast. But great because you got to go into the fjords and see more than you would see just on the ship. But it was also like a good adrenaline rush and the teenagers really loved it. Um, we got to see some just breathtaking um, mountains and fjords. We were on the boat for about two hours. So then we came back and had lunch. And then we did a hike. We took a short, like a less than five mile cab ride and it's called Sugar Toppen. It's a really nice hike on a ridge and you can see the town on one side and the fjords on the other side. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Now, did you do that part of the day on your own or did you have a tour guide for that? No, we just did that on our own. We just um, took taxis to and from the start starting point. Well, it sounds like you all are somewhat adventurous travelers in the sense that you're you know, willing to sort of venture out on your own. Was everybody in your party kind of of that ilk, would you say? Mostly, yes. When we hiked, the two of our older travelers, they did do a Disney excursion where they took a bus tour in the, in the afternoon. There's that hill where everyone walks up the steps. I think you guys did that. You know? We did that. So they, exactly. took the, they took the bus to the top of it so they didn't have to climb the steps. But otherwise, yeah. Um, Funny enough, we did as well. We ended. We did the, a city tour that included the, the bus to the top of that hill. And we ended up not taking the bus down. We ended up walking down with our friends. But yeah, I would highly recommend. It's a great lookout point for sure. And I wish that we had actually walked up it. It would have been, you know, totally doable for us. But we happened to take the city tour that included that. So and how did they enjoy that that tour? And 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 I guess, how did the group enjoy Olesund? I think the group as the whole, uh, the whole really enjoyed Olesund. I think for some of the kids, that was their favorite excursion was the speedboats through the fjords. The city tour was not very popular with the two people who did it. Oh, interesting. 
It probably depends a lot on, you know, your tour guide. And that's one of those things that's kind of hit and miss. We enjoyed it, but it was only a part of partial day. So we ended up, you know, walking around ourselves. And I think we enjoyed that even more. Ours wasn't a city tour, Sam. Remember, it was the tour that it meandered through the city, but we ended up at that museum outside of town to look at old Norse structures, basically. Oh, that's right. And then we came back to that. And then, we, and then they drove us to the top of that hill and we walked down. Yeah. That's what they did. It was in the afternoon because they did also go on the boats with us. Um, but then they did that in the afternoon when we went hiking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I loved about that itinerary was that you could get morning and afternoon time that the the stops were fairly long. So yeah, it was a nice benefit of the itinerary. That was your last port stop. And then of course you you get to Copenhagen. Am I right about that? That's right. And then we spent we spent two nights in Copenhagen and then some of um, our party spent three nights and they um, took a tour to Sweden as well. But um, in Copenhagen, we took a little, these mini private canal boat tour um, to uh, Tivoli Gardens, which was really oh, fun. Oh yeah, the amusement park. I really want to go to Tivoli Gardens and I hear great things. Tell us about Tivoli Gardens. So it's right in the center of Copenhagen, right in the city. But when you go in, you don't even feel like you're in a city anymore. And that's reportedly where Walt Disney was inspired to create Mm -hmm. Disneyland. And you can definitely see it. It's beautiful at nighttime. There's so many pretty lights, all different rides. The trash cans look exactly like the trash cans in Disneyland. I don't know if that was always the case. (laughs) There's different kinds of admissions. So you can just pay to get in and not go on any rides. Or you could pay to get in and have unlimited rides. If you didn't pay for unlimited rides, you can just pay with a credit card um, to go on like one or two rides, like if you want to go Mm -hmm. with your kids. In our party, the adults ended up not going on any rides and the kids uh, would run around and go on a bunch of rides together. They had a lot of fun. Um, They went, I went one night and then a lot of people went a second night. I kind of wish I went a second night because it's really, (laughs) it's very pretty. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of restaurants there. Lots of sit down restaurants, like Italian restaurants, Japanese restaurants, pizza places, beer gardens. So there's a lot of fun places to eat as well. And the lines really weren't very long. You know, we were there in the middle of the summer. There's concerts there every night. It was very affordable. You can just walk there. It's right in the city. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Any other highlights from the from your time in Copenhagen? We also took a e-bike tour of that, that city and got to just see a lot of it. Like can't remember the name of a, one of the beautiful palaces. Just walking around in Copenhagen, they have really cool playgrounds with these like built-in trampolines in the ground that the children really loved. And um, mm-hmm. we saw the Little Mermaid statue. Oh, cool. Uh, everyone likes to get their picture taken there. And our <laughs> hotel was very... We really liked our hotel too. It had a big courtyard in the center. So everyone didn't stay at the same hotel. But um, on our last night there, everyone came and just hung out in the courtyard, which was very relaxing. And it was a really pretty courtyard with all different sculptures and different tiles and like little nooks and gardens. So it was a really pretty city. I, I'm glad I got to see it. Yeah. What was the name of the hotel that you stayed at? Axel Golds, Goldsmenden. Axel Goldsmenden. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> These names are probably impossible to Yeah. To and I'm probably murdered. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, 
Uber's and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash Duo so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. Kelly, I'm interested because you sailed on the Magic last year in Europe and you sailed on the Dream this time around. Any differences you notice being on the larger ship in Europe? I've, I've, we've gotten some emails, say, from people who have said that they've noticed a few differences here and there between the two ships in terms of, you know, just the size of the ship and what that means for the atmosphere on board and things like that. Did you notice anything or was it about the same? It was a little bit more crowded than last year, but also, you know, when we were on the Magic last year, they weren't at full capacity yet. So one of our cruises was like very empty when last year on the Magic, very like almost too empty. There wasn't like that kinetic energy. You would go to game shows, no one would be there. So this year there was definitely more people, but I don't, the crowds didn't bother me as much because you don't really spend that much time swimming. I mean, there were some days we did. But I usually, when I feel the crowd, it's when that pool deck is so mobbed. And since it was a Northern European itinerary and we didn't spend that much time at the pools, I didn't really feel that. At shows and movies, we didn't have trouble getting seats or anything. I do like the the adult pool better on the smaller ships, like the Magic and the Wonder. So last year in the Med, I really enjoyed spending time there. Um, but this year, there weren't that many days that we really went in the pool. We did spend a lot of time in the rainforest which was really nice to have access to during uh, the cooler weather. Well, and the rainforest room is way better on the dream and the fantasy than the magic and the wonder, because at least you've got that outdoor deck with the hot tub on it, I think, at least. Yeah, definitely. And But the rainforest did sell out the morning of the, like our first morning. Oh, we wow. bought our, our We bought our passes as soon as we got on board. Mm-hmm. And then by the next morning, some people in our party were disappointed because when they went to go, to go buy them, they were already sold out. So... You know, that is one thing that was different compared to last year because it was a crowded ship. Did you notice any, you know, issues that dream first time over, we heard about some snags. I mean, beyond sort of the missed port stop with just, you know, the crew, the ports being ready, things like that. Did you notice anything on your sailing like that? No, I heard, I've heard people complain about that as well, but we, we didn't feel it. I thought that the crew was great. The food was as good as it always is. So we really didn't have any complaints about that. I thought they did a great job. When you miss your port stop, did they offer anything extra on board the sailing? They did not. It was just a normal sea day. Wow. Okay. They said that, like they did say in the email before our cruise, they were going to make it extra magical. So I didn't know if there would be anything special on that sea day, but it was just a normal sea day. There was a special gathering for gold, platinum, and pearl cruisers, but I, I believe they would have had that anyway on one of the sea days. Yeah, I mean, they probably would would have. They might not have done it on that day, but yeah, they would have right. had. Yeah. Because it's a, I think they do it for seven nights and longer. They do those special receptions, which often include, you know, seeing a sort of backstage view of one of the onboard shows, which of course on the dream could be Beauty and the Beast, which is obviously phenomenal. Yeah, it was great. That's what our it was. It was you got to see like the technical aspects of one or two scenes of Beauty and the Beast. It was interesting. Yeah, I love yeah. that. We got to do that with, with Aladdin. This was pre-pandemic years ago. We weren't even platinum at the time, but the friend that we were sailing with was, and it was just fantastic. Such a great view into that sort of backstage side of things. 
I'm curious for entertainment, obviously you're going to have your standard three main stage shows, but what additional entertainment did you have beyond the the standard main stage shows? Do you remember? There was a visiting Broadway guest. So he had a uh, cabaret one night, but I was really surprised it wasn't in the Walt Disney Theater last, last year. They had one like that in the Walt Disney Theater. It was just in Evolution. Very good, but it was crowded. It was only one night. There's the standard juggler and ventriloquist. They had the world premiere of the Hamlet Mansion movie, which was really quite good. And then they had an excellent, her name's Greta, and I may say her last name wrong, Sloom. And she is a famous violinist from Iceland. She's won Eurovision, um, I think, two separate years. And it's not like the classical violin music. It's really fast, upbeat. She's an amazing yeah, singer like and violinist. violinist. Oh, cool. Yeah. And she did two different shows. She did a main show for everybody. And then she did one for the adults only one night. And she was just fantastic. I was really happy that we could see her. It was a much better caliber than you'd expect for like a cruise ship performer. She was just outstanding. That's awesome. And I love that they brought on a local performer. I feel like that's always, you know, really nice. Did they yeah. have any did they have any naturalists or or anyone on board giving talks about what things you might see in Iceland? I know they do that for Alaska. I they don't think they did that when we were in Norway, but I'm just curious if they did anything like that on your sailing since it was a longer sailing. They didn't. I was expecting that maybe they would because just like um, you mentioned in Alaska, we would go to those, but they didn't have any of those things. Well, if Disney, if you're listening, I feel like in these locations where it's all about the outdoors, which I feel like, you know, Iceland is all about the outdoors. Norway is all about the outdoors. And of course, Alaska is all about the outdoors. Bring on a naturalist. I feel like they could tell you, you know, they could teach so much and, and people would enjoy that. And and it wouldn't really be a huge expense for Disney to do something like that. Definitely. Especially with so many sea days, it would have been nice. I think it would have been well attended. Anything special in terms of food on board? Of course, you're going to have your standard, you know, rotational menus and whatnot. But did you have any, any you know, special menus or anything that really stood out to you that was different or extra? Well, food-wise, we did some extra things special things in the adult dining. Ooh. In the main dining room, there was the frozen menu one night instead of the pirate menu. But otherwise, there were, weren't any like really special menus that I noticed. A bunch of us are vegetarians. So sometimes maybe I don't notice when there's really things that other people would appreciate. I thought the food was very good, I w- except for the scrambled eggs in cabanas. But otherwise, all the food <laughs> was great. They were like extra bad this time, the scrambled eggs yeah. and bananas. I would just order them from the omelet guy and then they were good. Yeah, um, that's what I do too. Although I will say when we were, we just got off the wish and the eggs in Marceline Market weren't as bad as I they have been before. So, but in general, I, good news. I, yeah. So I don't know if that was just, we just got lucky, but I agree in general, the scrambled eggs on board any Disney Cruise Line ship are disgusting and should not be served to anyone. <laughs> but I will, like, I will give a shout out to our main dining room team. Um, besides that, they handled, you know, a party of 24 and they did a fantastic job. But the night that we were in Reykjavik, as I mentioned, we didn't get back till 930. Mm-hmm. So that was an hour into our dinner because our dinner started at 830. You know, it was not one or two of us. So we, when we came in, one person from our party walked up and said, we just got in. Can we eat? And they said, sure. I don't think they realized me and 23 of my friends, but they (laughs) accommodated all of us and we all got to eat our full dinner. And like the head server was helping. They were really working hard that we would have a great dinner. So we didn't have to just go up and have like, you know, pizza or room service. Um, So I really appreciated that because I didn't even, I wasn't even going to ask if we could eat in the main dining room. You know, we were an hour late. I didn't think that 
they needed to do that for us. But I, we really all appreciate it very much. Everyone's tired and hungry and we are so happy that we could have a, our meal together. Yeah. Well, and at that point, the, a lot of the deck food is already closed. Like you mentioned, pizza is still open, but like yeah. hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff, that's usually closed, you know, before then. So right. you would have been quite limited between pizza or, as you mentioned, room service, which does take a while to get to your mm-hmm. room from the time you order to get to your room. So that's really, really nice. You you mentioned you did some adult dining. We love, of course, talking and hearing about adult dining. What Which experiences did you do? Because you were on the dream. So there's Remy and Paulo available to you. And I had never been to Remy before, but I was there twice this time. My best friend and I did the dessert party. And that was so much fun. The desserts were so good. The chef would come out and describe each one of them. They are all beautiful. I took pictures of all of them. But most striking was the lemon thing. I don't know if you've ever ah, done the... Yes. Dessert. And we just had it on the wish. It's the, They actually have the same, that same dessert. But why don't you describe it for people? So it comes out on a plate and it looks just like a whole lemon with a little green leaf on it, but it's not a lemon at all. I believe they like slice lemons and limes really thin and keep blanching them over and over again to take out the bitterness. And then they put them in the, in the center of this white chocolate creation and they shape it like a lemon. And it's even the texture of a lemon. So they spray paint white chocolate on it to make the texture and then they stick a leaf in it. And then when you crack it open, inside is all of that cooked lemon and lime. And it, it's the white chocolate with the citrus is it's delicious. And it's just so cool. It's really fun. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I It's it's funny. I, I have to say, I actually don't like the taste of it, really. I've had it several times and I've not, I, I haven't developed the taste for it. I'm not big on citrus desserts in general. But it is one of the most beautiful and creative desserts I've ever seen. And Brian loves it. He eats the whole thing every time. He's lucky. Then he can have tea. (laughs) Well, by that point in the meal, because we're usually eating a full meal, by that point in the meal, we're both like, somebody carry us out of here. I can't do double duty on tasting menus. That is just way too much food. But, yeah. you know, I, I, was, I was just going to say, I'm actually a little disappointed they're using the same dessert in Remy. I'd love to see them have differentiated menus a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we had that dessert for the first time in Remy and then they, you know, Chef Almont, uh, yeah, Chef I Arnaud just, brought it over to The Wish. Yeah. I'd love to see him keeping it fresh across yeah. the, uh, the fleet. So, yeah. But the, I think the best tasting dessert at the dessert party was their creme brulee. Um, oh yeah. It was a very, very thin cream brulee, like thinner than a cookie, but it was delicious. I also appreciated that they tried to make each dish kind of match the dessert. So it was visually pleasing. And then you could add a wine pairing to it. So we did that as well. It was that was a really fun afternoon. And then we had never done Remy for dinner or brunch before. As I mentioned, my husband and I are vegetarians. So we didn't really know like if there would be a good value there with yeah. French food. But I had read online some vegetarians saying it was one of the best meals they ever had. So we had brunch there and we really enjoyed it. It was really good. It wasn't like afterthought vegetarian food. You know, it was really stuff that they had, you know, planned specifically for vegetarians. And we did let them know in advance. So I was really glad we had brunch there. And I like that. And then one evening toward the end of the cruise, all of the adults had dinner in Palo. I booked us a private dining room and the 10 of us ate at this giant round table. It's the biggest round table I've ever seen. That was a, a fun evening, really quiet and different than being in the main dining room with all the kids. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, the adult dining on board Disney Cruise Line is, I think, fantastic. We, Brian and I, always try and partake in at least one adult dining meal, whether that's a brunch or a dinner, but usually one of each, frankly, (laughs) Um, unless it's a three night sailing. And then we have really just got to limit ourselves because it's just too much food. But 
Yeah. Um, we had a lot of time to space out all our calories on this yeah. one day. <laughs> awesome. I wanted to ask about 25th anniversary. Oh, it was right. a 25th anniversary sailing and we've heard mixed reviews of the 25th anniversary at sea for the dream over in Europe, especially as to availability of merchandise and some other things. So did they do anything special on board? How are the 25th anniversary celebrations? So the very first night that we boarded, they had like the 25th anniversary party. Um, It's very similar to the captain's cocktail reception that they have. So they brought drinks out and had music. Um, All the characters came out and there was a little dance party and they all had on their like... um aqua colored 25th anniversary outfits. So it was it was kind of like a, one of the captain's parties and there were free drinks, which I think a lot of people appreciate. But it wasn't like a anything really fancy or exciting. And then we were on board for the actual 25th anniversary. So I think it was July 30th. Oh, was yeah. The 25th anniversary of the first sailing on the Magic. And they made a lot of announcements about it, but otherwise not much. Merchandise wise, I did see some things in the gift shop. I wasn't really shopping for it in particular. I saw stuff for it, but not a lot. Most of it was more dream in Europe than 25th anniversary. Speaking of sort of these celebrations, you did have the frozen deck party. We know we know in Europe, they in general, you're not going to have fireworks. So if you're sailing to Europe, just expect you're not going to have fireworks at sea. I don't know if there's any exception to that rule, but that's sort of the general rule. And you usually have the frozen deck party, not the pirate deck party. How was how, what did you think of the frozen deck party? We've experienced it once. We weren't like super impressed to be perfect. So we did not have the frozen deck party um, oh. on this cruise. They they debuted the Mickey's color spin party mm-hmm. oh. instead of the frozen deck party. We thought it sounded cool, and we thought like maybe there'd be like a cool light show. So we hurried to finish our dinner and run up there. And it was really disappointing. And I think everyone left in the middle of it. I think maybe for really little kids, it would be fine. But all the characters play different DJs. Each one of them has a different color jacket on and they played some music. But it was really kind of underwhelming. Um, You know, I understand they can't have fireworks, but I would have rather had the frozen deck party. We saw that once in Alaska and that was definitely better than Mickey's color spin party. I think that's more for like the under six crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer, but good to know that now if you're in Europe, maybe you might not actually have the uh, frozen deck party now that they have the color spin deck party. Interesting. What did you think of the merch in general? Because you you did mention that there was some, you know, dream in Europe merchandise. We've seen some of it online. Certainly everybody, you know, Disney merch fiends buy everything regardless of how good it is. We saw some pictures. We thought there was some some quite cute stuff, but wondering what you thought of it. I thought they were really cute shirts and sweatshirts. I think the most popular merch on our ship was that there was Helly Hansen jacket. Oh, yeah. Navy blue or white. And they had Helly Hansen on one sleeve and Mickey Mouse's face on the other. Mm-hmm. They were very cute. But luckily, they sold out of the color I liked before I decided I wanted one because <laughs> I, I really don't need it. But there are whole families in them and they only had like white and extra large left by the end of our trip. They didn't. They sold out of most of those. But I saw like Dream in Europe shirts and things like that throughout the whole trip. So I don't think they ran out, but we don't buy a lot of that stuff. So I'm not I didn't look particularly for it. One thing in the stores that was a big hit that I was surprised with is the guess the carrot weight. The teenagers every day would do the guess the carrot weight. They loved it. Really? Yeah. Like for like for stones? Yeah. Like I was walking in the shopping area with my sister-in-law. And then I'm like, I think that's, you know, the two boys in the jewelry store, you know, <laughs> the two 17-year-old boys. And I'm like, that's weird. And we went to go see them. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then it was the, they're like, it's guess the carrot weight. And mm. they did it every every night. All the kids, like the 
the, like, the littler kids, the bigger kids, they, they had fun doing it. And a couple of nights people would win, you know, it's like a silly little thing that you win, but um, right. it, it, it gave them a lot of joy. You don't win the diamond itself? No, you win a I'm crystal. flabbergasted. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, win, you win like a so, 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 so worth, what? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. I don't set in like, it's set in like aluminum. I love that you can right. pronounce Sitchtavecchia, Sam, but you can't pronounce Savorsky. So I know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, anything, anything we haven't talked about that was perhaps unique or memorable to this, to this sailing before we subject you to my rapid fire? <laughs> The only thing I would say, it's the first time my kids ever went to Vibe. Like they've had the opportunity many times. I, I, I think they were always like shy to go by themselves. My two oldest are old enough to go. Um, mm-hmm. But this time, since there are so many kids, they, they really had a lot of fun going to Vibe. We didn't really see them very much. Well, that's always a good sign, right? Yeah, I was happy. <laughs> but then the littler kids didn't go to the kids club as much as I had thought. Oh, interesting. When my kids were little, they really liked it. Were there, were there less sort of younger kids on the cruise in general, do you think, based on the itinerary? I mean, obviously, it's summertime, so kids are out of school, but just curious just if it was sort of a little bit skewed, a little bit older on the age of the kids. I don't think so. I, I feel like I saw kids of all, every age, just as many as usual. One other highlight would be our cruise Facebook group. I always join our cruise Facebook group, like to, you know, you, you learn a lot, like our cool speedboats in Norway. I found through someone mentioned it on our Facebook group, but the, the guy, Larry, who ran ours, he was wonderful. It's the best cruise Facebook group I've ever been on. They arranged a, a pajama breakfast one day. And Fun. I think probably like 80 people went to that. He made everyone name tags that looked like the key to the world card with their name and like the Disney letters. There were raffles and besides fish extenders, there were ornament exchanges and magnet exchanges. There was a bar crawl. It was really just like the most involved cruise Facebook group I've been in. And it made it was it made it really fun. Wow, that's awesome. We, you know, we to this day talk about our Southern Caribbean cruise in 2019 that had also similarly a, a really active and really fun, you know, Facebook group and two really great admins. And I have now, I have since admined a couple groups, mostly for shorter sailings, like on the wish. And it's just a ton of work to do all of those things. And I am not half as good an admin as I'm going to shout out to Rainy and Robin. I'm not half as good an admin as they are. And it sounds like not half as good an admin as this guy, Larry was. It's just, it really is a huge mint to do all of, you know, to arrange all these exchanges. And if you arrange things on board, obviously on a shorter cruise, most people don't do arrange activities or group activities on board because there's just so much to do in such a short period of time. But, you know, those to people who who really do that. I told Brian, I'm I'm not doing it again after the, I have one, I think one more that I'm admining in for a sailing in November and then I'm done with admining it. Not because it's, it's not fun. It's just, it's a lot of work and with a full-time job and a podcast and a kid and a husband, it's, it's a little more than I need a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They even arranged a 5K with medals. They they what? did a lot. Our, the, all the admin people in our group did, did a wonderful job. And there were raffles. I had one in Iceland travel book and he custom made coasters that said the dream cruise that I won in a different raffle. He designed t-shirts and sweatshirts and baseball caps that you could order before the cruise. So a lot oh, of that, goodness. like merch wise, we ordered those before. So I have a cute hoodie that has like specific to our sailing on it. So it was really, he really like added a lot of value, I think, for everybody in the Facebook group. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, good on him. Wow. So mentioned at a part of the show, usually we say this toward the end, we ask what's next. And 
I, I know from talking to you off air that you've got quite a bit up, but we mentioned that you're going back to Europe again. And I'm curious, what, what cruise are you taking back in Europe with, with Disney? So it's not on Disney Cruise Line, but it's with Adventures by Disney. And we're going to be doing an Adriatic expedition cruise that starts and ends in Venice. And then we'll make stops in Croatia, Montenegro, and so Slovenia. Oh, very um, cool. So I did say the Mediterranean's hot in the summer, but I think on a ship and with all the access to swimming, it should be really fun. Oh, that That's sounds cool. amazing. How, how big is that cruise? I'm just curious. I'm not positive. It's, it's run by Ponant. It's a French cruise line. Mm-hmm. I think there's 90 staterooms, but I'm not positive about that. That sounds like an awesome itinerary. I, I, that, that one really interests me. So that, that sounds like an awesome itinerary. Yeah, you'll definitely have to come back to talk about that. I know Ponant does the ones, the Galapagos ones that ABD runs as well. And we had Chris Borbeck on our show to talk about that. We've reached that point in the show where I need to hand you off to Sam for some arbitrary questions, some arbitrary rules, and a dash of judgment or the round we call <laughs> rapid fire. So Sam, take it away. All right, Kelly, I'm going to skip over your general Disney favorites because we asked you that the last time you were on the show. And instead, we're going to just focus on your favorites from this cruise. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not ask you what your favorite stage show was on the dream on this Iceland itinerary. Definitely Beauty and the Beast. Not just because I don't want to get in trouble from Sam, but because it really was my favorite. <laughs> well, at least you know what people know now. If you are on the dream and you don't answer Beauty and the Beast, it, it better be something special. You know, I, it would have been okay, Kelly, if you had answered that amazing violinist, because I feel like that's something unique that you don't get on other sailings, right? Um, so it's okay to give a different answer than Beauty and the Beast. But if you tell me your favorite show is the golden mickeys when you got to compare it against Beauty and the beast then you know you're gonna you're gonna hear it from me so i love it all right what was your favorite rotational dining on this sailing and i will tell folks if you didn't know this but the dream now has animation magic in animator's palette i think animator's palette overall is my favorite but my favorite dessert is still in royal court it's that cream brulee not the cream brulee the grand ornay souffle oh yeah yeah I feel like people love those souffles on Disney Cruise Line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like the amaretto one in in Paulo the best, but everyone else loves the chocolate souffle. Everyone else thinks I'm wrong and, and says chocolate souffle. So yeah, I like the Grand Marnay one better than the chocolate one. Yeah. You know, to yeah. each his own, right? All right. What was your favorite onboard activity from this sailing? I think going to the rainforest with my friends and um, family. It was so relaxing. We did a little bit every day. Nice. That was my favorite. What was your favorite adult dining? Because you did three different ones on this cruise. I think it the dessert, the Remy dessert party was just, uh, that was my favorite. I'm a dessert person. Awesome. All right. What was your favorite adult bar space? Meridian. Nice. That's, that's the nice. little one between yep. like Remy and Paolo. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is the right answer as well. So <laughs> you can't. There, there are other acceptable answers on the dream, such as Skyline. It's a, that's a fantastic one as well. But Meridian is, is probably the number one answer, I would say. What was your favorite? We got to talk food items. You know, obviously you're a dessert person, but I, I want it. So I want to know what was your favorite sweet item on board? And it can have been anywhere. It doesn't have to be at the Remy dessert party. But yeah. And then I'm going to ask you what your favorite savory item was on board. So let's start with sweet. I think my favorite sweet one would be the cream brulee at Remy. Nice. And what was your favorite savory item? The Indian food that they brought to us because there was five vegetarians with us. So every night they would bring Indian food off the menu and it was delicious every night. It's so good. 
Yes, I love that. I, you know, people don't think about this, but in it's actually because they serve this food in the crew galley because they have a, a ton of people from India and Indonesia and other parts of Asia who eat, you know, curries. And so if you tell them you like Indian food or you like curries, they will bring you some. And there are obviously a lot more, they're always going to have vegetarian options because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of vegetarians in that part of the world and that food is fantastic. I love that. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Brian and I are not vegetarians, but we have had them bring us, you know, curries and sometimes usually bring you one vegetarian, one non-vegetarian and so, so, so good. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite port? during this? Because this is, you had some really fantastic ones and obviously really great tours. It's very hard to say because I loved all of them. I think the Akureyri was my favorite day. Oh, I thought you were going to Blue Lagoon. I, I love Blue Lagoon. It was like my favorite like individual activity. But overall for the day, I think it's that. It's a hard, it's, they're close, very close. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. All right. Now, you have been, am I correct in saying you've been on all five ships now? That's right. Okay. Tell me, this is obviously a, this is a debatable question at, for some, not for me. Aqua Dunk, Aqua Duck, Aqua Mouse. I like the Aqua Duck best. Yes. You're an originalist as well. I love it. We, and I went on it even on this cruise, even though it was cold. Even though it was cold. I love yeah, that. You have to. We just you're have committed. to. You're committed. Yeah. All right. Well, again, another, this is another, you know, debatable question. Which one is your favorite ship? I think it's still the fantasy just because that's the one we've been on the most. And that's Mm -hmm. the one we were on first, but I like all four of the original ships a lot. Nice. I noticed there, you say all the original ship (laughs) that excludes the wish. (laughs) That's all right. The wish isn't bad, but it's just not my favorite. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Now you've been to the med. You've been to Northern Europe. You've been on some fantastic itineraries in the Caribbean. What is your bucket list cruise? You could go anywhere in the world. It it may have changed since the last time we talked, but you can go anywhere in the world on a Disney cruise. Where are you going? Because I've never been there, I'm I'm interested in going like Southeast Asia, like Vietnam, um, Cambodia, those kind of places. What do you think about the... This is sort of... I've ended rapid fire, but what do you think about... The acquired ship, as we're going to start calling it, or the global dream, and and it's you know with the future sailings out of Singapore. Is that something that you would be interested in doing and consider doing? I don't think I would. I think if I was going to take all the time and effort to travel that far, I'd want to spend the time seeing the country instead of mm. on the on a Disney ship. Yeah, totally understand that. Well, Kelly, why don't you tell our listeners? You know, where they can connect with you. I know you've got some Facebook groups that you run that are really cool. And you've got your own travel agency. And if, if folks want to book with you or connect with you, tell us where they can find you. Sure. I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at After All Travel. We have a blog where we write about not just our Disney travels, but travelsallover.com. And then probably what's most interesting to your listeners is we have a Facebook group that, that we started called DCL Spaces and Places, where we talk about cool little spaces on the ship and neat places that all these ships visit. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kelly, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you will, of course, join us again, especially to talk about that amazing ABD. Well, and Kelly, I think you said off there, you're you're visiting Lighthouse Point next year, which we're definitely going to want to hear from people what they think about Lighthouse Point in comparison to Castaway Key. So definitely hit us up. We'd love to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. Good night.